Doesn't the sanctuary look nice? Do you guys enjoy this? I, yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm not one of those people. How many of you are those people that just love Christmas and the second that it becomes socially acceptable or maybe before that second you start celebrating and getting into the Christmas spirit? How many of that? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, that's not me. I do love Christmas, um, it's, but, but I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just not that festive of a person. I'm pretty boring, aren't I, Megan? Um, but, but that's not how I am. But I'll tell you what, I, I love when the church is decorated for Christmas, and I love coming in and seeing the lights everywhere. And, and I just want to tell you, I am thankful to be a part um, of this church and what God's doing here. And, and I, you know, if you travel around a little bit, I don't, I don't want you to travel around too much, but if you travel around a little bit and go to different churches, um, you notice things. And, and you'll go into some churches, and I'm not trying to be negative, but you'll go in and, and you know, sometimes you'll walk in and you'll think, this isn't that nice. You know, what's going on here? Um, but I am thankful that our church is always looking nice. And there are a lot of people that put in a lot of hard work um, to make this place look nice, whether it's cleaning whether it's setting up, a lot of you came last Sunday night and helped us decorate around the church, and there's been a group of guys that's been here all week working on the sanctuary and the lighting, and I just want to say thank you to all of you, and, and we are blessed to be in God's presence this morning. I, I'm thankful for much more than that, but it's nice to come into a beautiful church. More than that, I'm thankful that God is at work in this church. We're going to be talking about that a little bit here today. Um, but, but we're talking, we're, we're moving into a new series, Encountering Christmas. And, and really, what Adam said earlier is true. Um, sometimes it's easy for us to miss Christmas. I remember about 15 years ago or so when Megan and I moved down to South Carolina, and we moved down there, and all of a sudden, it didn't get that cold come Christmas time. And, and for me, I always pictured Christmas with snow and, you know, cold weather and fires and stuff like that. And so when I moved down there, it was really an odd thing because it was hard for me to get into that Christmas spirit when it was like 80 degrees outside. And so, you know, thank the Lord that it's not 80. Is that weird? <laughs> Deb was in Florida this week. She's like, no, I'm going back. That, that's nice. But, but here's the thing. You can have a great time with your family this Christmas season. You can get everything that you ever wanted as far as gifts go. You can have a great Christmas from a tradition standpoint, but if you miss Jesus this Christmas, you've missed it. You've missed the greatest gift of all, and that's what I want to talk about in this series. I want us to encounter Christmas, and so I have the opportunity to be here with you um, four times, and then Christmas Eve, if you come back five times this month, and my goal is that we will experience Christmas together the way it's meant to be experienced. I hope you have a wonderful time with family, but I hope you don't miss Jesus this Christmas. And, and you know, the truth is, we don't sacrifice other things, do we? We don't sacrifice our traditions. If you have a tradition in your family, you don't, you don't sacrifice that very often, do you? you? You have things that you do every year and you don't miss it. You don't, we don't sacrifice food very often, do we? When we get together for Thanksgiving, Christmas, we, we don't sacrifice that. We don't sacrifice our time with family. We make sure every holiday to get together with family. We, we don't sacrifice a lot of other things in our life, but I'm afraid that sometimes we sacrifice getting to meet with Jesus. 
And that would be a big mistake for us in this Christmas season. And so I want us to encounter Jesus this Christmas season. Today, uh, one of the ways that, that the church has always done this is, is through the Advent wreath. You'll see that up here on the piano. And the Advent wreath has five candles in it. And, um, and four of those candles, the ones around the outside, represent hope love, joy, and peace, and the center candle is the Christ candle. And so through this season, that's just one way that it draws our attention to Jesus in this season. So we're going to be working through those themes this, through this series. And so today we're going to talk about hope. I want to talk about the hope that Jesus brings. Luke's gospel, I, I'm not going to spend too much time elsewhere, because I'll be honest with you, I could talk about the story we're going to talk about today for several hours and not get tired of it. So I'm going to try to cut that a little bit shorter than several hours. But, but today we're going to look into, the, into Luke's gospel. It's where we find the most detailed account of Jesus' birth. And when you think of Christmas, what do you think of? Turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think of when you think of Christmas. Go. All right, when you think of the Christmas story, let me give you some further direction. When you think of the Christmas story, what do you think of? Most of you probably picture um, the nativity. Most of you probably picture Jesus in a manger. You picture wise men and shepherd and Mary and Joseph and animals. That's the picture that usually comes to our mind, right? But the beginning of Luke's account of the Christmas story is where we're going to focus today. And it's not the manger, and it's not Mary and Joseph, and it's not the wise men or the shepherds or any of that. It's a man, it's a priest named Zechariah. And so the first character we're introduced to in the, story, in the Christmas story is Zechariah, the priest. So I want to look at that story today, and, and I want you to experience hope through that story. So Zechariah was a priest. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. Zechariah was, if you know, in, in, in that day there was a certain group of people that were priests. And his wife Elizabeth was actually from the priestly line as well. So this was a, a great couple, a priestly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here's, here's something that we find out pretty quickly about them. Elizabeth was not able to have children. This is, this is a rough thing, and in that day, to be a priest and to be, to be a godly couple, but to not be able to have children was a big deal. It was a big deal. In that day, it was disgraceful to not be able to have children. And so we meet Zechariah, who's a priest, a faithful priest, and his wife Elizabeth, and they're not able to have children. And it says that they're along in the age. They're past that age. They've, they've given up. It's over. It's not happening. And so we meet Zachariah and Elizabeth, a, a priest of God. But then it says one thing about them that's very important. It says they were righteous in the sight of God. So, so Zechariah and Elizabeth grew up in the priestly tradition. They were following God, but they had this, this, this issue. They couldn't have children. It, it, was a, it was a cause of disgrace and distress in their life, but they were faithful to worship and serve God. And so when we come into this story, what's happening is Zechariah is coming into the temple as a priest there, there were a lot of priests in this day, and so the different groups of priests would take their turns serving in the temple in Jerusalem. 
And so Zechariah is taking his turn with his group in the temple. A couple times a year, his group would go in, and they would do their priestly duties in the temple. And so he goes in. And when they did this, they would cast lots. They would, they would have this chance um, encounter, and they would cast lots. And the, the priest that got chosen through those lots would be the one person that would go in and would um, burn incense and offer prayers inside, not in the Holy of Holies, but just outside. If, you, if you're not familiar, ask me later, I'll tell you about the Holy of Holies. But the temple had the, the innermost spot, the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was able to go once a year. And then just outside of it was a sacred place that only this priest could go into and burn incense and offer prayers. And so Zechariah got the opportunity to do this. And you only got the opportunity to do this once, to go in and burn the incense and pray. So we come into this story, Zechariah, who's a man of God, a faithful man of God, who had dealt with this struggle of never being able to have children, and here it is, it's his time to serve, to go in, to burn incense, and to offer prayers for the people. And what would happen is, the, the priest that was chosen by the lots would walk back behind there, and would start doing that, and all the people outside would bow, and they would pray, and they would wait as that priest offered the incense and offered prayers to God. And so this is Zechariah's big moment. And that's where we pick this up in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. So he's back there. He's praying. He's burning incense. And verse 11 says this, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your, prayer your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's big stuff. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my, my wife is well along in her years. That's not super nice to say, is it? My wife is well along in her years. I'll try not to ever say that about you, Megan. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So this isn't our main text today. It's a big text to not be our main text. But this is setting up the story. So Zechariah, I told you about Zechariah. He goes into the, the temple. He goes in to offer the prayer and incense. This is his big moment. And he goes in. And what happens? An angel shows up. That's pretty crazy, right? I don't... I don't know if when you read this stuff, you, I want you to experience this today. Zachariah is in the big moment of, of representing the people. And, and what happens? 
An angel shows up. This is really significant. This is a, a big moment. And he was scared. The truth of the matter is, the Israelites were in the middle of a period that they call the 400 years of silence. It's the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God didn't show up. And God didn't speak. And they didn't experience God. And so they're in the middle of 400 years of a drought of not experiencing God. And Zechariah, it's his big moment. He's going to go in and he, he's going to pray. And he walks in and he's praying. And what happens? God shows up through an angel. This is huge. This is huge. And guess what? They knew that the time was coming because of the prophecies. They did know that the time was coming that the Savior would come. So they were living in this expectation, but they were living in this drought, and Zachariah is in his big moment, and he goes in, and an angel shows up. Are you, are you feeling this? Can you imagine this? This is a huge moment. And then to add to it, he says, hey... Your prayers have been answered. Now, I, I could spend a lot more time on this because I don't think this is what it sounds like to us. But he says, your prayers have been answered and you are going to have a baby. Your wife is going to have a baby. This is huge. This, this would have been a, something that was a thorn in Zechariah and Elizabeth's side their whole life. They couldn't have children. It was disgrace. It was distress. And not only does God show up for the first time in 400 years... But the angel says, hey, by the way, you who think it's impossible are going to have a baby. And then it gets even bigger. And by the way, not just any baby, this baby's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. This baby's going to do great things. He's going to lead the people toward the Lord. And people are going to rejoice because of this baby. This is huge. Please tell me you're feeling this. I, I shared some of this stuff before service, and people were just looking at me like. And I was like, come on, get excited about this. And so Zechariah sees the angel, and the angel comes after 400 years of silence and says, God is at work, and you're going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be a big deal. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God was silent in your life? Have you ever gone through a period of time that you went through a drought and you just couldn't feel or see or hear God at work in your life? I want you to understand that even if that drought is 400 years, God is at work to bring his kingdom to earth. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't hear it, even when we don't know it's happening, God is at work. Let me tell you something really cool just from last week. I want you to know God's at work because God is at work. Last week, somebody came up to me after church and they said, hey, I'm in real need of a bed. I've taken somebody in, I'm caring for somebody else, and I don't have a bed for them. Can you please help me in some way find a bed? And I said, I'll try. And I went over and I talked to Dale and I said, Dale, here we have this need and, and I know it's kind of different, but we, we need a bed. Do we have any beds? And Dale said, well, I don't know. Guess what happened? Monday morning, Dale got an email from somebody who doesn't go to this church saying, do you know anyone that needs a bed? Because I've got three beds to give away. God is at work whether you see it or hear it or not. And guess what? 
It's not just about providing beds and, and, and those physical needs we have. God is at work to bring his kingdom to earth, even when we don't see it. The good news is this. It's more than just beds. It's more than Ohio State winning and maybe going to the playoffs. It's more than our needs. It's more than getting over sickness. God's kingdom is coming. And God is at work right now, whether we see it or not, to bring his kingdom to earth. Man, are you, are you experiencing it this morning? We're talking about hope. We have hope this morning. And so the angel, it catches him off guard. It scares him. Not a little bit, a lot. It says he was gripped with fear. I've never seen an angel. I've seen angels like decorated angels and stuff like that. Usually they're not that scary. But it seems like in Scripture when people see angels, it's scary. And he's, he's gripped with fear. But the, the angel says, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been answered, and you're going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Real quick, I'll say this. I'm just going to tease this, so maybe you'll want to study a little bit this week. I don't think the prayers that were answered was the baby, okay? Because we see in the Scripture that he is not in any way expecting. In fact, he didn't even believe it could happen when the angel told him. I don't think he went into that place and was praying for a baby. I think he went into that place and was praying for God's kingdom and God's redemption and the Savior to come. And the angel comes and says, your prayer has been answered and you're going to have a baby. And that baby's not the Savior, but that baby will be great in the eyes of the Lord and will do great things. And, and the response is, Zechariah doesn't believe him. He doesn't believe it. He says, how can this happen? We're too old. We've never been able to have children. How can this be? This part seems a little bit crazy to me. Because Zechariah is a priest in the Israelite tradition. Zechariah would have been well-versed in Scripture. Zechariah would have been well-versed in prophecy. He would have known what had happened before. Guess what? He would have known the story of Abraham and Sarah who couldn't have children, and the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby, and guess what happened? They had a baby. And that wasn't the only one. Over and over in Scripture, this happened. Somebody told me the other day that this was the seventh time that, that there was a miraculous birth. And so he would have known this, but still, the truth is, when, when it's something that seems outside of possibility, we have trouble wrapping our minds around it. And I don't think I can blame him for feeling that way. 400 years of drought, not hearing from God, not seeing God speak, and all of a sudden, he speaks to Zechariah, a guy who's old and can't have children, and he says, you're going to have a baby that's hard to believe, isn't it? And so Zechariah questions it. And, and, and what happens? What happens next is the angel says, by the way, you're not going to be able to speak. Because you didn't get this, you're not going to be able to speak until this baby is born. This, this is a great story. This is amazing. Just can you imagine experiencing God's presence for the first time that anyone had for 400 years, going into this big moment in this holy place and an angel shows up and says, hey, I know you haven't been able to ever have kids, but you're going to have a kid and he's going to be great. And by the way, you can't talk about it. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> 
He says, you're not going to speak about it. I don't, just this week, Megan and I were, were sitting with some friends and, um, and, and we knew a secret and they brought up the topic and you should have seen Megan's face when they brought up the topic because it's so hard to hold in a good secret, right? But the angel says, hey, good news. Your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a baby. That baby's going to be awesome. He's going to lead people to the Lord and you're not going to be able to talk about it because you didn't believe it. And so, man, he couldn't talk about it. Let me ask you a question. This is something I've thought about a lot this week. Is this a punishment? Is this a punishment? Because I've always read this scripture and thought that him becoming silent, him being struck with muteness and not being able to talk, I've always viewed that as a punishment for his disbelief, for his not believing. Think about this. Was this a punishment? I kind of, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you, telling you that this is 100% not a punishment or a punishment. But I kind of think it's amazing. God shows up for the first time in 400 years and drops this big news on this guy who, who had lost hope for having children. And it's even bigger than that. Gives him the big news and says, you're going to be quiet for the next nine months. I, I got a question for you. What do you think would happen just this month if you couldn't speak? What do you think would happen just this month if all you could do was think and observe and watch and ponder what's going on? Do you think you would miss Christmas this season? I think you would get it in a way that you had never gotten it before. I think we get so busy, and, and I think especially when big things happen, we get so wrapped up, and we talk about it, and, and we get excited. Zachariah got the opportunity to think about it. It's funny, because when you see it in the story, it sounds like, it sounds like what we tell our, our children, right? That, hey, go, go sit and think about what you've done, <laughs> and don't speak. <laughs> I, I don't know that this is a punishment. I kind of think this is an opportunity for Zechariah to ponder and to think about and to come around to what is actually happening. I also think this is an opportunity for people to see the evidence. Think about this. If an angel showed up and told you crazy news, you would be tempted not to believe it, right? But if that angel said, you're not speaking until this baby comes, till this happens, and you couldn't speak, would you believe it? Yeah, you would. And it even says in Scripture that he, the people were waiting and it was longer than usual. And when he came out, they, they were wondering what was going on. But when he came out and he couldn't speak, it says that they, they figured, surely something has happened here. And so I, I don't think that this lack of speaking necessarily is a punishment. I, I could be wrong. I, I could be totally wrong. But, but I believe that this is important. One of the reasons I think this, um, the very next story that we see in chapter 1 here is the story of the same angel, Gabriel, going to Mary and saying something very similar, saying, hey, and she's scared, and he says, don't be afraid, and, and he says, by the way, you're going to have a baby, even though you're a virgin, and Mary says almost exactly the same thing. How can this be? So Zachariah said, how can this be? We're too old. Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And Mary wasn't silent. The angel didn't 
punish Mary. Abraham wasn't punished with nine months of silence. That, this is the only time we see this, and that's why I think that this wasn't a punishment. I, I just wonder if we could be silent, how much more would we experience God's grace and God's presence and Jesus in this Christmas season? I, I'm not saying I want to be silent, but I'm saying I believe that this was a gift. And, and so skipping ahead nine months later, the baby is born. Nine months of thinking about this big moment. Nine months of not being able to talk about it, not being able to share it. Nine months of silence. And the baby is born. And I think the result is the most important thing we see in this story. So I want us to talk about the result because I think we need to experience the result the way Zachariah did this morning. So Luke 1, 67 to 79 says, his father Zechariah, uh, th this is after they, the baby is born, John is born, and, and they actually, um, eight days later, go to have the circumcision ceremony done. And, and they go, and the people are wanting them to name the baby. And they're saying, this baby's obviously going to be named Zechariah, right? Because in that day, you named the baby after a family member. And, and Elizabeth says, no, this baby's name should be John. And they say, that makes no sense. Nobody in your family's named John. That makes no sense. And they, they take a piece of paper over to Zechariah or a tablet or something. And they say, what's the baby's name going to be? And he writes, his name is John. And at that moment, the floodgates open and his voice is restored after nine months of thinking and pondering and, and being blown away by this. After nine months, he says, yes, this baby is John. He is obedient to do what the angel told him to do. And his voice is restored. It says his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Have you heard anything about his baby yet? Have you heard anything about John yet? Have you heard anything about the 400 years of silence and an angel showing up? No. You know who you've heard about? Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. And I'm convinced that if we had nine months to ponder, if we had nine months to think, if we had one month to think, that we wouldn't get thrown off and think that it's about gifts or about the little things. It's about Jesus. This season is about Jesus. And then in verse 76, he starts talking about his child. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Man, nine months of silence, nine months of whether, whether it was punishment or whether it was a gift, it doesn't matter. The result was after nine months, he was ready to prophesy. He knew what it was all about. 
It says that, that he, he sang. This is a song that he's singing. And after nine months, all he can do is praise God in song. How many of you sing when you're happy? I sing, I love to sing. You guys don't know it because I never do it in front of you, nor will I ever, <laughs> just so you know. I will over there, but not up here. <laughs> Maybe someday. I shouldn't say never. But, um, but I love to sing. You can ask my kids. When I'm in a good mood, I sing everything. And nine months of pondering this huge thing, and, and he was a priest, so he knew the tradition, he knew the prophecies, he, he knew the things that would happen, he knew the Savior was coming, and for nine months he got to sit there and think, this is it. This is it. What we've been waiting for all this time. The Savior is coming. And when those floodgates open and he can speak, he sings it with everything he has. He says, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We have hope. And he praises God with everything he has. And what he says is, is really important and really interesting because once again, he doesn't talk about the 400 years of silence. He doesn't talk about his big moment with the angel. He doesn't talk about God doing a miraculous thing in him and his wives' lives. He doesn't talk about the baby. I mean, come on. We love our kids. We love to talk about our kids, don't, don't we? I love to talk about our kids. And after nine months of being silent, he's got a miraculous baby born that couldn't happen. And he can speak and he doesn't say... You guys are going to love my boy. He's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord. This is the kid. He doesn't say it because he understands what really matters isn't the boy. It's Jesus coming. And guess what? That's okay because John's whole life would be to prepare the way for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm sorry if I'm yelling at you. I'm so excited this morning. I got hope. It's all about Jesus. And, and so he immediately starts praising God for one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus. All he can talk about is Jesus. Listen, I don't care what you've got going on this Christmas season. I don't care what you want. I don't care who you're going to spend time. That, this sounds really insincere. I do care about all those things, but I, that's not the number one concern of this season. You can get the greatest gift ever this Christmas season. I got a bike when I was in second or third grade. It was my favorite gift ever. It was nothing compared to Jesus. You could spend time with family that you haven't seen in a long time. You can have a great time with them, but guess what? This is about Jesus. You could experience a miracle of God. God could show up in a way that you never thought was possible. Guess what? It's about Jesus, the most important thing that you can experience this Christmas season is Jesus. And today we celebrate that we have hope because of Jesus. We may take it for granted, but honestly, the best gift that you will ever get is Jesus. The best relationship that you can invest in this Christmas is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so listen to the difference that nine months of silence makes for Zechariah. Nine months before, the angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And he says, no way. How can that be? How is this possible? I'm too old. And nine months later, he's not just talking about the baby. He's talking about the big picture. Listen to how he says it. He says, because he 
has come to his people and redeemed them. This isn't some, maybe Jesus will come. Maybe the Savior is coming. The truth is Jesus hasn't been born yet. The Savior has not come to earth yet when he says this, but he says he has come and redeemed his people because he has hope. He knows it. He's certain of it. Nine months of thinking about it, of being silent, and he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is it. And the Savior has come. He has hope. And there's two kinds of hope. I found this out this week. I probably already knew it, but I found it out because I looked it up. There's the, the verb hope, and there's the noun hope. And the verb hope is, I hope that this happens. I hope that I get a nice shirt for Christmas. I hope that I get what I want. I hope that this person is able to come visit me at Christmas. And then there's the noun hope, which is I have hope because I know that Jesus came. That's the difference, guys. Sure, we got the verb hope, but we've got the noun hope. We have the hope of Jesus. If we could catch this today, we don't hope that one day Jesus' kingdom will come. We have hope because God's kingdom has come in Jesus, and Jesus will come again. We have hope. And that's where Zechariah was. And that's what took him from, how can this happen, to it's happening and it's happened and you got to hear about it and I'm praising God and I'm singing it at the top of my voice. God is at work and God's kingdom has come and God has redeemed his people. That's good news this morning. That's good news. That's what we celebrate this Christmas season. Listen, I don't know if you're in one of those periods of silence. I don't know what you're experiencing, but I want you to know that this morning you can have the hope the, the certain hope that God is at work and that Jesus came and that Jesus is coming again and that God's kingdom is at work, not just meeting needs like beds, but forgiving people of their sins and redeeming people. That's the hope we have. So, the, so what is the hope? It says, he raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David, salvation from our enemies From the hand of all who hate us, he shows mercy to his ancestors and remembers his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. The hope is that we're saved. The hope is that in Jesus, we are saved from the enemies that would seek to keep us from God's kingdom. They can't. They can't because Jesus came and we have hope. Listen, I think Zechariah probably in his mind thought that this was about Rome. He probably at least a little bit thought that this was about being delivered from the people that were oppressing Israel. And that day will come, but that's not the hope we were talking about, the hope that we're talking about. And he did understand this because that last part says um, the hope of, that, that we can live enables us to live and serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness. The hope that God offers us is that we don't have to worry about the oppression 
And we don't have to worry about the people that are against us. And we don't have to worry about the impossibilities before us. We don't have to worry about the things that seem like they're keeping God's kingdom from coming because God's kingdom has come. And we have hope. That's the hope we're talking about. That there's a horn of salvation that's come to offer us redemption. It's more than just getting things that we need, material things. It's more than just getting a government and power that will serve God. It's, it's more than just having a church on every corner. It's about Jesus offering you and I hope and redemption and salvation so that we can be a part of this kingdom. And nothing, nothing can defeat God's kingdom. And, and so we have hope. One of the things that I think is a big contributor to the fact that we miss it sometimes at Christmas is that we think we have everything we need. I, I, I say this every year. People ask me, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, I don't know. I've got just about everything I need. <laughs> if I want a shirt, usually I go buy a shirt. If I want, you know what? We need Jesus. We need salvation. We need redemption. We need God's kingdom to come. You may not need much. You may have everything you need. You may be living great. You may have it all figured out. But listen, you need Jesus. And you need the hope that God's kingdom is at work and that you are a part of it. And the only way you can have that hope is in Jesus. And so listen, today we experience hope. We have noun hope that our Savior has come and that we can live redeemed. And that's good news. Would you just say amen to that? Amen. I very rarely ask you to say amen, but that's something we need to amen to. We have hope. He, he says the horn of salvation is raised up and we're delivered from our enemies. And then it says this toward the end. Because it's not just that we have this noun hope, it's not just that we sit here and say amen, it's that it changes how we live. Because he says we, are, we can live without fear a holy and righteous life that we can be who God's called us to be. So this hope is more than just God's bringing his kingdom down, this hope is God's bringing his kingdom down, it's at work, and we can be a part of it and live the way that God's called us to live, to be holy, to be righteous, and you don't have to fear anything keeping you from being who God wants you to be. So you can have hope. And you can live hope through Jesus. We have hope, noun, and we live hope. I believe that if we get this this Christmas season, it changes everything. It changes the way we treat each other. It changes the way we treat people outside the walls of this church. It changes the way we talk about things. You know what? I believe if we get this, that we're going to be singing God's praises the way Zachariah was after nine months of silence. And that the world will say, man, there is something about those people. They have hope. And I want that hope. Jesus gives us hope. And the result of the hope that Zachariah experiences is he shouts out God's praises. And it says that people saw it and asked about it and talked about it and wanted to know more about it. We have hope and we can live hope. Listen to this. We had Family Promise here this week. Family Promise is a, a ministry that we participate in at this church where four times a year 
Um, this, this Family Promise is, a, is a, an organization that takes people who are trying to get on their feet, who are homeless, and they, they provide training for them, and, and they go and they stay at different churches. So, so this last week was our Family Promise week, and, and we had two families that stayed here all week, and some of our people came and made meals for them every night, and some of our people stayed with them every night, and, and just was, were there for them, and, and then they went and trained. And so Family Promise is all about helping people people get on their feet and know that God loves them and live the way God in, intends for them to live. Listen to this. This is a letter that somebody wrote from Family Promise this week. You need to, I'm just going to read the last paragraph. You all gave me more than food, more than a bed to sleep in, more than a coat and, and shoes for my son. You all gave me hope again. God bless you all. Listen, when, when we get God's hope, it changes us. And we live out God's hope. We live holy and righteous. And guess what? When that happens, other people have hope. It spreads. And so this morning, we come together and we want to encounter Christmas and we want to encounter Jesus. And this morning, I hope that you encounter the hope that comes from Jesus that you know that you are redeemed, that the horn of salvation has been raised up, and that you don't have to fear anything that stands in your way from living in God's kingdom. And so this morning, together, we're going to light the first candle, and that's the candle of hope. And today, we want to experience God's hope together. The band's going to come up right now. And we're going to sing a song together. And, and I want you to sing out the hope that you have in God. I want you to picture the nine months of silence and all the stuff that had happened and picture what God is doing. I want you to picture the ways that God is active right now. And I want you to sing the hope that God has given us this Christmas season, the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, we come before you and I thank you that even when we don't feel it, you're at work, and I thank you that you're providing for the needs, the physical needs that we have, and I thank you that you're at work and organizing and, and making sure that we're taken care of. I thank you, Lord, that, that you're with us all the time, no matter what we're going through, but more than that, Lord, I thank you that you offer us salvation. I thank you that you came to earth so that we could have hope, not some wishful, distant, maybe this is going to happen, but hope certainty to know that you are with us and you are at work and your kingdom is here and now and that you are moving Lord and so today we we sing out to you and I, I pray that you would open the floodgates of our hearts and our mouths and that we would sing your hope this morning and praise you in Jesus name Amen <laughs> 